Well, today we are continuing our series called Prayer and Listening. You know, prayer is arguably the most important thing that we do in life. It's certainly not the only important thing, but it's extremely important. Without prayer, we can't really accomplish anything of eternal value. And it's only through prayer that we learn to cooperate with God in fulfilling His will for our lives. Today we're going to talk about learning to pray. You know, anything that's of importance in life, we have to learn, right? It just doesn't, you don't just instantly know how to do something. It's, it takes time. It takes practice. And so prayer needs to be learned. You can pray poorly. You can pray ineffectively or you can pray powerfully and effectively. And the difference is learning how to pray. Now, the difference in an effective prayer is not in the number of words you pray. It's not in how beautifully the words you pray are. The difference between an effective and an ineffective prayer is simply whether God answers your prayer. I mean, if God answers your prayer, that's an effective prayer. If God doesn't answer your prayer, that's a pretty ineffective prayer. Uh, and so we want to learn how to pray powerful, effective prayers. James 5.16, and I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your program. It has the scriptures written out as well as the outline on the back is a study guide that we use in many of the life groups for discussion, and you can also use it in your daily quiet time with God. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so in the next verses in James, James retells the story of Elijah praying, Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament, praying that the rain would stop as judgment upon Israel's wickedness. And then later on, three years later, he prayed again, and the rain came. And so Elijah's prayers, they were powerful, they were effective, they affected the very weather itself to bring about God's judgment. And so I want to learn how to pray more powerful and effective prayers. So how can we do that? Well, first of all, according to James 5.16, we need to be righteous, the prayer of a righteous person. And what does it mean to be righteous? Well, you have to be saved. You have to have Christ's righteousness, and you need to live a righteous lifestyle. If somebody claims to be saved, but they're living an unrighteous lifestyle, uh, then your prayers are not going to be powerful and effective. And what does it mean to live righteously? It means to live according to God's Word. God's Word is our standard. Obviously, nobody lives a perfect life, but a righteous person does not live a lifestyle of sin. A righteous person repents if they sin and gets back in proper relationship with God. And so to pray powerful and effective prayers, we need to be righteous. We need to be living righteously. Secondly, we need to learn to pray from the Word of God. The Bible, God's Word, has a lot of teaching about how to pray. God's Word has a lot of examples of people of faith praying that we can learn from. And so we learn from God's Word. Luke 11, verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, why did the disciple ask Jesus to teach him to pray? Because he observed Jesus pray. And he understood that Jesus was connecting with God in a special way and that Jesus' prayers were answered. And he said, Lord, teach us to pray just like you. And so today we're going to study some of Jesus' teaching on how to pray. 
And so we learn to pray from God's Word. And finally, we learn how to pray simply by practicing prayer, by praying all the time. Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. We ought to pray without ceasing. You know, if you want to be good at playing a musical instrument, what do you do? Well, usually you have to take lessons. You have to learn from somebody else. And then you have to practice and practice and practice in order to play a musical instrument well. And so the same is true of prayer. The more that you practice prayer, the better you will get at it, the more effective your prayers will be. And God's Word tells us to to pray continually, to practice all the time, day after day in our prayer life. And so today we're going to look at some instructions by Jesus on how to pray found in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus teaches us that we need to pray with proper heart attitudes. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice, you might want to underline that word practice, your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so Jesus begins this whole passage we're going to talk about today by by speaking of practicing your righteousness. And so righteousness is not just something you have. Righteousness is something that you have to practice, that you need to put into action. Now, we're not righteous because we do certain things. We're righteous because we're forgiven and have received Jesus' righteousness. And yet that righteousness that we have received must be lived out. It must be practiced. If we are truly saved people, then we will practice our righteousness. But not only must our actions be righteous, our motives and our attitudes must also be righteous as well. Uh, Jesus says here, if we practice our righteousness to impress other people, then God is not going to reward us. And so our righteousness or our prayers, as we're going to talk about today, must be done with proper heart attitudes. Our prayers must be prayed for God alone. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jesus instructs us, he says, But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so first of all, Jesus tells us how not to pray. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites do. They pray to win favor with other people. They pray to impress the people who are listening to them. That is their motive in prayer. And so what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person who puts on a false appearance uh, of, of religion that is not the same as what's in their hearts. In other words, they're acting. Their outward actions do not line up or correspond with their inward heart attitudes. And so in Jesus' example, the hypocrites appeared to be praying to God. People heard them praying, addressing God, but inwardly, all they were trying to do was impress people who listened to them. Their attitudes had nothing to do with God. And and Jesus says, hypocrites who pray that way will not receive a reward from God. True believers whose attitudes correspond with their outward actions should pray to God in secret. In other words, they should pray for God alone, for an audience of one. 
for the audience of God, and then they will receive a reward from God. And what is that reward? Well, the reward would be answered prayer, would it not? The reward would be blessing from God and eternal reward in heaven one day. There's a reward for praying. Not only should we pray for God alone, we pray with proper respect. Jesus goes on in verse 7 and says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so Jesus tells us that prayer is not simply reciting a rote prayer over and over again, thinking that the more words that we pray, the more prayers that we line up, the more likely our prayers will be answered. And so how are we to pray? We are to pray with proper respect, as though we're praying to a person, uh, which we are. God the Father knows what we need before we ask Him. And we still need to ask, even though He knows, but not repeat the request over and over again in the same, same conversation, thinking that the number of words prayed equals an answer. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't keep on asking, because Jesus told us to persevere in prayer. We ask each and every day in our prayers until the answer comes. And yet our prayers, when we pray, we are to pray to God alone and with proper respect. Now, sometimes people get a little confused by, by Jesus' instructions here about praying in secret. And Jesus' instructions here concerning secret prayer do not mean that public prayers are for, forbidden. Why do we know that? Well, we know that because Jesus himself prayed in public. His disciples prayed in public. We see public prayers that is commended by God both in the Old and New Testament. But we need to be careful in public prayer because there's a temptation to pray for the people who are listening, to impress people with our prayers because they can hear us rather than addressing our prayers to God alone. And so God is saying, when you pray in public, make sure your motives are right. You're praying to me and not to impress others. Now, when we pray in secret, we don't have that temptation. Nobody knows that we're praying in secret. So there's not a temptation to pray to impress others. And so our secret prayer really is a measure of our relationship with God. If somebody only prays in public and never prays alone in secret, that's a red flag as to what their motive in their public prayers are. And so our Secret prayer, our private prayer, should be much more. We should do that far more than we pray in public. And that should be where our strength comes from. Now, Jesus makes clear there is a reward in prayer. Scripture teaches us in Hebrews that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. There is a reward in prayer. And so we pray, we seek to grow our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. We look for His reward we share our hearts with him in prayer. And so not only does Jesus teach us we ought to pray with proper attitudes, we ought to pray with proper balance. Now Jesus has said our prayers are not to be simply piling up as many, prayer, uh, many words as possible, repeating prayers over and over again. And so he gives us an example of how we are to pray. And the example prayer that Jesus gives us is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer that Jesus prayed. 
It's a prayer that he taught his disciples of all ages, including you and me, so that we could learn how to pray. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us how to pray with proper balance, to keep our prayers from being one-dimensional. You know, the most common out-of-balance prayer is a prayer that simply consists of a long series of prayer requests. And one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And we all fall on that from time to time. But that's not how Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus taught us to begin our prayers with worshiping the Lord. So let's, since most of us probably know the Lord's Prayer by heart, let's try to look at it with some new eyes today so that rather than just reciting it without thinking about it, we can understand what Jesus was trying to teach us in the Lord's Prayer. It begins where Jesus says in verse 9, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so our prayers begin, as we prayed earlier in this service, with lifting our eyes up to God. Our prayers begin by focusing on God, seeing Him as our Father. And what does that make us? His children. It's as a child addressing His loving Father. And our Father is not here on this earth. Our Father is living in heaven. He's in a, another dimension. And so we pray that His name would be hallowed. Now, we don't use that word a lot in the English of our day, but hallowed means to regard God's name as holy. That, that means that he would be honored as holy, that he would be revered, that he would be respected, that he would be loved. And so we are praying that we would hallow God's name, we would honor and love him as holy, and that other people would as well, that his name would be hallowed. And so we begin prayer by hallowing God's name, by that's another way of saying by worshiping Him, by praising Him, by praying that more and more people would also worship Him. And, and so as we do that, we don't start with our problems. We start with God. We fix our eyes on Him, the only one who has the solution to the difficulties we may be facing in life. And next we choose to agree with God's will. Verse 10 we are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now basically, there are only two wills in the world. There is the will of God on the one hand, and there is the will of Satan. And these two wills are diametrically opposed. They are always opposite to one another. And so our will, our choice in life, the choice that God has given to us is to choose between these two wills, to choose to agree either with God's will or to choose to agree with Satan's will. And if we choose to ignore God's will, a lot of people say, I just want to do my own thing, you're making a choice to follow Satan's will. There is no neutral ground. You're either following God's will or Satan's will. And so in this part of the prayer, we make a choice to agree with God's will. Now, God's will is being perfectly done in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. Everything there is perfectly in accordance with God's will. That's a wonderful. That's what makes heaven so wonderful. That's what makes heaven so glorious. That's what makes heaven so full of joy, full of the praise of God forever and ever, because God's will is perfectly being done there. 
And the prayer is that God's will, which is perfectly being done in heaven, would be done on this earth. And that's what it means for God's kingdom to come. God's kingdom comes as his will is done. And so the coming of God's kingdom, sometimes, oh, well, when Jesus comes again, yes, the coming of God's kingdom is going to come in its fullness at some point in the future. But even now, the kingdom of God is coming. It's coming everywhere where God's will is done in our lives, in our church, in our city, around our world. God's kingdom is coming, and that's part of what we are to do. In fact, that should be our highest priority, to seek God's kingdom first. Seeking for God's will to be done in everything that we do. And when we agree that God's will is perfect, that God's will is acceptable, that God's will is what we want in our lives, that's what we desire first and foremost, God's will then we are ready to request God to meet our needs. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Just six words in this line of the Lord's Prayer, but there's so much packed into them. God is the only one who can meet your needs. God is the only one who can give you your daily bread. And so we need to spend time with the Father daily, each and every day, asking Him to meet our needs. And those needs that we ask God to give us must be in line with God's will and His kingdom. And that's why we agree first that God's will would be done in our lives and then we can be re been, begin to request things that are needed for God's will to be done in our lives. And that eliminates the wants. Sometimes we get confused between needs and wants. A lot of things maybe we want that really have nothing to do with God's will. And there's things that we need to fulfill God's will in our lives. Things that are not in accordance with God's will, things that do not advance His kingdom, are not prayers that He's going to answer. So every decision that we make in life, every prayer request we pray should be made in keeping with God's will and seeking to bring His kingdom to this earth. And of course, the prayers that we pray that are simply for things that we want, things that we desire, not things that God desires. God has told us quite clearly He's not going to answer those prayers. And then we tend to get frustrated with God. Why aren't you answering my prayers? And so he says to us, well, if you pray according to my will, I will answer your prayers. So if God says no to our prayers, it's an opportunity to learn something, opportunity to adjust our prayers and pray for God's will and not our own. Align our prayers with His will. And that brings us to the next aspect of the prayer, confessing our sins. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Our debts are our sins. Our actions are attitudes that are not according to God's will. That's what sin is. When we do things that are not according to the will of God. And so we should ask God daily to forgive our sins. And when we pray to ask for forgiveness, it, not, it should not just be a general prayer. God, forgive my sins of, of yesterday. It should be specific. God, forgive me for, and then you fill in the blank. And if you're not aware of any sin that you did yesterday, then that's a red flag, that you've got a big blind spot. So, if you're not aware of any sin that you did yesterday, if you're married, you just ask your spouse. 
and they will tell you uh, the things you need to repent of or somebody else that you know well. But usually, if you truly ask God to reveal to you, he will reveal what you need to confess. And that's the first step to moving uh, in more in keeping with God's will. In the next verses, Jesus expands on the phrase, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And he explains what that means in verse 14. So we're going to just jump down there before we finish the prayer. Verse 14 and 15. If, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we don't have time to greatly expound on this, but Jesus here makes it clear that unforgiveness is not an option for a believer. You, you cannot say, I can't forgive somebody. As a believer, we've been forgiven. As believers, we've been forgiven, and we must forgive others. because. And there's many parables that Jesus taught on that. We must forgive others in order to be forgiven ourselves. If we don't forgive others, then our own forgiveness is in peril. That's what Jesus is teaching here. And we finally submit to God's protection in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so God's word promises us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God will not lead us into temptation that's greater uh, than we can resist. That he won't allow us to be tempted in such a degree that we cannot resist temptation with his help. And so this petition, lead us not into temptation, is is simply asking God to fulfill his promise in our lives. God, I don't want to fall into temptation. I don't want to fall into sin. God, please help me to walk free of that. And, of course, it's the evil one from whom temptation comes. It's the evil one who tempts us to sin. And so we ask for and we submit to God's protection from Satan's temptations and Satan's snares. And fittingly, the request for protection, what does it follow? Our confession of sins. So we've just confessed our sins that we've done wrong the day before, and now we ask for God's protection that we don't do it again, that we don't keep falling into the same thing. That's why there's this, to God, don't lead us into that same temptation. God, we don't want to fall again today. And so there's a, there's a beautiful synergy between all these requests. And so the Lord's Prayer gives us an outline, an example of balanced prayer, balanced in five areas, worshiping God, agreeing with His will, making our requests, confessing our sins, and praying for God's protection. And so those five elements of prayer should be part of your daily time with God, of reading your Bible and prayer. And as we pray continually during the day, we use those different elements. Maybe not all at the same time, but they should be all mixed up. It shouldn't all be just all day long, God help me with this, God help me with that. Uh, there should be these other things in order for us to grow, to learn to pray as Jesus taught us how to pray. Praying with proper balance. And finally, Jesus teaches us to fast with proper motives. So Jesus' instructions for fasting in this passage are, are very similar for his instructions to giving, which is in the first part of the chapter, which we don't have time to talk about today. He talked about three ways to practice your righteousness in Matthew chapter 6, giving, praying, and fasting. And today we're 
concentrating on, on prayer and fasting. He says, don't fast for man's attention. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. And so hypocrites, again, make sure that everybody knows they're fasting. Make sure that everybody knows how much they're sacrificing for the kingdom and how difficult it is to go without food for a meal or a day or whatever it is. They want to make sure everybody knows how much they're giving up for God. And so the audience for the hypocrites is other people. They're not fasting for God at all. They're fasting that they would be regarded as very righteous people before men. Rather than fasting for man's attention, we should fast for God's reward. Jesus says in verse 17, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so in other, way, other words, don't go out of your way to make people aware that you're fasting. Now, notice in, verse, in this verse, in verse 17, it says, when you fast. And when we talked about praying, Jesus says, when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray or if you fast. He expects, or in the other part we didn't talk about today, he said, when you give. He didn't say, if you give. These are three ways that Jesus is basically commanding us to practice our righteousness, but do it in a right way. Giving praying, and fasting. And so fasting, is, as is prayer, is to be done in secret so that we'll receive the Father's reward. Now, fasting, in my opinion, is somewhat of a forgotten practice uh, to our own detriment. Uh, what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from, for food for a certain period of time for spiritual purposes, really generally for the purposes of prayer. So fasting is commanded in the Old Testament. Jesus fasted. His disciples fasted. Believers in the early church fasted. And basically Jesus is commanding us here that we should as well. A normal fast in the Bible is abstaining from food for uh, a meal, a day, or several days. That's a normal fast or sometimes partial fast. We don't have time to get into it all where you just abstain from a certain type of food for a period of time. There are many purposes for fasting that are talked about in the Bible. Some of the more important ones are to humble oneself. That's uh, mentioned a number of times in Scripture. Fasting is to seek God in a special way. People fast to repent of sins. People fast to find healing. People fast to break spiritual bondage in their own lives or in the lives of other people. And so, uh, to put it in our language of today, I'd say fasting supercharges prayer. And we don't do enough of it. I say for myself. And I think for most of us. It often leads to prayer breakthroughs. If you've been praying for something for a long time and the answer hasn't come yet, but you're quite confident the answer isn't no, you're still waiting for it to be answered. Oftentimes, prayer plus fasting will lead to a breakthrough. So let's not forget the power of fasting and prayer together. And so God wants to teach us how to pray powerful and effective prayers. 
And this is something we can continue to learn as long as we are alive on this earth, to pray more powerfully, to pray more faith-filled prayers, to pray more effective prayers. And so today, we've looked at Jesus' teaching on prayer. Prayer is not simply a matter of praying the right words. It's not simply a matter of sounding very holy. It's, it has to be done with proper heart attitudes. It has to be done with a purpose of building our relationship with God. Jesus taught us to pray prayers with proper balance. Prayers that worship God, that commit our wills to God, commit ourselves to God's will. We make requests, we confess our sins, we submit to God's protection. And when we follow God's leading, as we pray, as we fast, God's going to honor that. And Jesus promised that he's going to reward us as we follow his instructions, as we pray for his will and for his kingdom. Now you notice at the bottom of your outline, it's there every Sunday, but I just thought this Sunday I'd bring it to your attention. It says, the last thing says, how will I obey God's word this week? I'd like to just give you a few seconds here not a long time, just to think about, look over that outline, the things we've talked about about prayer today. And what do you think God is saying to you? What does he want you to work on this coming week? What does he want you to put into practice that you've heard today? What is he speaking to your heart? And he's going to speak different things to everybody's heart. And whatever that is, just jot it down or maybe circle that point so that you can actually be blessed. God's word tells us in James, don't be deceived by just thinking you're blessed when you hear the word. You are blessed when you put it into practice. All right, effective prayer uh, is only possible for those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ by admitting that you've sinned. Sin is simply following your own will, your own will, Satan's will in life, not God's will. Believing that Jesus died to forgive your sin, asking for his forgiveness, and committing your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, or you want to recommit your life to him this morning, just pray in your own mind something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've, I've done wrong things, I haven't followed your will in my life. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took my sin upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. I commit myself to following your will and not my own in my life. And for those of us who are already believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you that you want to teach us about prayer, that you want us to pray more powerful and effective prayers. And today we commit ourselves to learning from you, to not thinking we know it all, to not thinking that we are ultimate prayer warriors, but God, that we are people who want to learn how to pray better. We pray that our motives when we pray would be for you alone, even when we pray for others. Help us, God, to pray with proper balance in our prayers as you've taught us to pray not just asking for things all the time. 
Help us to pray according to your will, God, that the things we ask for in our prayers would be focused on bringing your kingdom to this earth and seeing your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, forgive us for forgetting about fasting, God, for forgetting about your commands to fast when we pray and help us to use it as you lead us so that our prayers can receive more answers. And God, we thank you that you've promised to reward those who earnestly seek you in prayer. And God, we desire those rewards. We look forward, God, to what you're going to do as we learn to pray better and better. We thank you, God, for the answers that are going to come, for the breakthroughs that are going to come, for the people's lives that are going to be touched as we take prayer more seriously and as we grow in our prayer lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.